Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. And in verse 16 says this in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 16, live as free people, not using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but as God's slaves or your translation might say God's servants or God's bond servants. So live as free people, not using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but as God's slaves. And so what I want to do today is talk to you about a new view of freedom or a different way of seeing freedom. Now, before we jump into this, I want to give a bit of a disclaimer because last week, one section of the message, we had to address maybe some difficult stuff that's not always easy for us to hear. And this week, we might have, we're going to tread into some of those waters as well of, of discussing some things that might make us a little bit uncomfortable, that might make us a little bit uneasy. It might make us feel challenged, but we're like, oh, I don't really always want to hear that. You know, that's difficult to wrestle with. And I, I think it would just be helpful if we could talk about what exactly we're doing here as well on a Sunday morning, because I get up here and I give this message that many people refer to as a sermon, or you might have a different way of referring to it based off of the tradition you were raised in. And sometimes we, we almost view the sermon as the same thing as like a lecture almost, but they're, they're very different things. There, there are some similarities, but they're different specifically within their intent. Like a lecture is when somebody who is well, hopefully, hopefully well-researched in a, in a, or well-educated in a certain subject matter comes and brings information to a group of people, and then you learn more, and, you, and you're, you appreciate their research, you appreciate what they know, and so you take that because they're the expert, and they're giving a lecture on that information. Now, within the sermon, I, I do study for these. I put together information for these messages, but there's a slight difference in the sense of don't hear this as, oh, Scott, the expert, is pointing his finger at us and telling us all what we're doing wrong and what we all need to do differently. That's not what this is. I do happen to be the one talking, but it's okay for you to say amen or that's good or to talk back or if you want to, you can. You don't have to by any means. But the sermon is a collective experience for all of us. So the things that I say up here, it's not just, oh, Scott's the expert giving the lecture, giving it. No, no, this is a message. This is for all of us. It's for me as well. So sometimes when I have to address things that are maybe even a little bit more difficult or hard for us to hear, or things are like, oh, that hurts a little bit. I need to hear that as well. This is for all of us. It's a collective experience. So I just wanted to give that, you know, kind of is a preface to everything because there might be some stuff and I don't want you to hear Scott saying that we're all a bunch of sinners and, you know, he's got it all figured out. No, 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 I don't. I don't have it all figured out. This is, we're all trying to follow the way of Jesus together and look at the scriptures together and hear what are they saying to us? And that includes me. That's all of us. This is a collective experience. So we're talking about this new view of freedom this morning. And freedom is a funny thing. Have you ever noticed how you sometimes will assume that the next season of life or another season of life will bring you more freedom than the current season that you're in? Think about this. When you were a kid and you used to watch, you know, your adults driving around places. Oh, I can't wait till I can drive one day because then I can go wherever I want to go. Nobody can tell me you have to stay here or there. I can go wherever I want to go. I'll have the freedom to do whatever I want to do. Or maybe growing up, your parents had a bedtime for you and they would tell you, you have to go to bed at this certain time. And you would think, when I'm an adult, I'm going to stay up as late as I want to stay up. Nobody can tell me to go to bed. Or your parents, maybe growing up, they would say, hey, you can have one piece of cake, but that's it. And later on, 
you would see your dad sneaking a second piece of cake. And you would think one day when I'm an adult, I'm going to have more than one piece of cake because I will have the freedom to do that. But then you get to be an adult and you realize, oh, I can't drive wherever I want, whenever I want, anytime, because you have to pay for gas. And that can be expensive sometimes. So I can't just go wherever I want, whenever I want. You think, oh, I can't stay up as late as I want because I have a job and I want to be responsible and I want to be there on time and I want to be awake when I'm at work. Oh, you know what? I could have the second piece of cake, but my metabolism has really slowed down and I I have the freedom to do that, but I don't know if I should do that. And you get to the next season of life and you know, there's freedom here, there's freedom there, but there's always some restrictions that come along with that as well. And if we were to really think about this, sometimes as Americans, we think, oh, freedom, that just means we can do whatever we want, whenever we want. You know, it's freedom, freedom, free, freedom. But but freedom with restrictions is actually a good thing. Restrictions can be helpful. Restrictions can, can, can be beneficial because freedom without a conscience will lead to chaos. And freedom without restrictions could very quickly open up the doors for self indulgence. It could lead towards just, you know, wanting to do things for self and look out for self and not be concerned about others. So restrictions can be helpful. Can I give you a very simple example? For those of you who might be in my age group in your 20s or 30s, most likely you were raised on a movie called Toy Story that came out in 1995. And for those of you who are parents, you maybe watched this movie with your kids growing up. Anybody here remember Toy Story? Some of you, you still watch it as, you know, I I still watch it sometimes. I love Toy Story. Um, But Buzz Lightyear, comes into the movie, and he is convinced that he is the actual Buzz Lightyear. He is convinced that he is a space ranger. And so what does he do? He jumps off Andy's bed to show the toys that he can fly. He bounces on a ball. He swings around on a fan. And then Woody looks at him and says, that was not flying. That was falling with style. But all of the other toys are impressed because he, they think he can fly, and he thinks he has a real laser beam on his arm. He thinks that he's an actual space ranger. And it gets so extreme that at one point in time, they're under a pizza van in the movie. And Woody, I think it's under the pizza van, where Woody says to him, you are a toy. Is that where that happened when he screamed that at him? I can't remember. But anyways, he's trying to get him to see that he's a toy, but he thinks that he's a space ranger. And then Buzz gets to this point where he starts to realize there at Sid's house, it's a really dark scenario. And he begins to realize that he's not an actual space ranger, but he's a toy. And he thinks, I'm going to test this. And he jumps over the stairs and he falls and his arm breaks off and it's really tragic. And then he really collapses He's like this identity crisis. He starts acting strange. But that's what will be, if you start to think, or if we start to think that we are free to do whatever we want, whenever we want, or to be whoever we want, whenever we want, and we are not having freedom within the context of reality, what we could be doing is setting ourselves up for a type of internal identity crisis because you might start living in a reality that is not actually reality itself, and you might be setting yourself up for a collapse. You might be setting yourself up for a space of, see, see, Buzz Lightyear was free to be a toy, and he was free to be the best possible toy that he could be, but as soon as he started thinking he was a space ranger, that, that freedom began to collapse because he wasn't an actual space ranger. He couldn't actually fly, and sometimes what we love to do with freedom, and this comes from all ideologies and all spaces, is we start to think, oh, I can just do what I want whenever I want, But if you start to do that, you might be stepping out of the reality and out of the intent of who God has called you to be. And then what you're doing is you might be setting yourself up or I could be setting myself up for a space where you start to have a bit of an identity crisis because it'll start to collapse. 
We want to exist within freedom, but within the proper restrictions, within the space of reality of who we truly are and not abuse freedom to just think, oh, it's all for me and whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Because that will lead to a reality that is not truly reality itself. In fact, we could ask ourselves this question, what identity will maximize your freedom? What identity will maximize my freedom? As we consider this concept of freedom and getting Peter's new view of freedom and what freedom truly means and what freedom actually is within the way of Jesus, what identity will maximize your freedom of who you truly are and who God has created you and designed you and called you to be? We're going to walk through this progression of freedom that builds up to verse 16, and we'll, we'll, we'll go through verse 17 as well, but we're going to walk through 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 17, as we look at this view of freedom that Peter has. And in doing that, there, there, there will be four points that we have today. And here's, if you're taking notes, hopefully this, you can, you'll be able to remember this, because I was like, how do we do this and make it so that we can maybe remember it and, and work with this in the future? The, the first point in the progression starts with the letter F. The second point starts with R. The third point is going to start with the letter E. And the fourth point starts with the letter E. So it's going to spell free. So you can write that, that beautiful little acronym down and you can maybe, maybe it'll be helpful for later or maybe I just put way too much work into that and you're saying, Scott, just give us some points and move on with the message. I don't know where you're at, but it's going to spell free because we're talking about a new view of freedom. And if we're going to live as truly free, the way in which Peter saw freedom, the way in which Jesus has offered freedom to us, the first thing that we have to be willing to do is to have faith in God's plan. Faith in God's plan. That's the F in free. Faith in God's plan. Now, this can be a little bit complicated for us because what Peter's about to address here, he doesn't necessarily directly use the words faith in God's plan, but he's sending a subliminal message about how we can respond to God's plan even when things are happening that we don't fully understand. Because Peter starts talking about how the church in his time period is to respond to those who are in authority, specifically governmental structures. Now I know, we get a little hesitant sometimes with that because our governmental structure is very different than Peter's. We live in a representative democracy where we have a voice and we can speak up. And Peter, he knew nothing about the concept of the voice of the people. That was non-existent 2,000 years ago in the time period that he was in. He was under more of a tyrannical system where, where we know, hey, we do what Caesar says. We do what Nero says. And so it was, it was very different. So what I'm not saying here is I'm not saying that we as Christians should not be involved in discourse. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in conversation. But what I am saying is that we look at what Peter has to say here. There's something deeper for us to grasp as the church that sometimes I think we miss out on. That there's, there's, a, there's a faith in what God is doing. We should still be involved in conversations, but in those conversations, are we reflecting the nature and character of Jesus? Are we reflecting who Christ is? Are we reflecting that above all else, we have faith in God's plan and what God is up to and what God is doing? Once again, not saying you can't be involved, but I will say this. If you ever put something on social media and you think it's going to change somebody's mind, it probably won't. Just so you know, like people will know where you stand. That's great. But if you ever think what you post on social media is going to change someone's mind, uh, good luck with that. Have fun with that. But either way, like we have to reflect that we have faith in God's plan. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake, whether to a king as 
supreme or to governors as those he commissions to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do good. Wow, there's a lot there. But he says, be subject to every human institution. And he's saying this from the perspective of knowing Caesar and Nero and real corruption, real pain, real persecution. And he says, be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake. There's something here for us to grasp, church. There's something here for us to see that there's this, there's this faith that Peter has in the plan of God that no matter who's the ruler, no matter who's in charge, you know what? I'm going to honor them because God's not shocked that they are there. I'm not going to scurry around. I'm not going to be worried. We're not going to be worked up all the time. We're not going to be the people who are always pointing fingers and getting angry at other people. Why? Because we know that he knows. He's not shocked by this. And so Peter says, be subject to every human institution, the ones that I voted for and the ones I didn't vote for, the ones you voted for and the ones you didn't vote for. We are to be subject to every human institution and honor leaders. That's what reflects the nature and character of Jesus. But sometimes I've seen this within the church. We act like the candidates that we like are the second coming of Christ. And we act like the ones that we don't like are the antichrist. And that is not the heart of what we see within the scriptures. We are to be subject to every human institution and we don't get worked up. We don't get worried because you know what? Whoever is in that role, he's not shocked by it. He's not stunned by it. And whoever is in that role, guess what? They cannot take away the freedom that God has given to you to be his child. They cannot take away the freedom that God has given to you to show mercy to others. They cannot take away the freedom that God has given you to demonstrate grace and love towards others. They cannot take away the freedom that only God can give you to be his kingdom citizen. So whoever's in the role, you might disagree at times, you might have some tension at times, but they cannot take away the freedom from you that only God can give to you. Come on. Like we can't, we, we, oh, this, this, there's a freedom that God has given that only he can give. And you know where I think Peter learned this from? From following his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus was confronted with the powers of his time, Pilate, look at what Jesus said to him. You would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. You would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Jesus didn't say, oh, Pilate, this is an unjust trial. This is no, hey, you know what, Pilate? You'd have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. We must exist as the people who have faith in God's plan above all else to know that he is good and no matter who's in charge, guess what? You have permission from him to perpetuate the good, to work for the good, to walk alongside of him no matter what's going on in the world, nobody is going to stop you from being God's child and nobody can stop you from the calling that he has on your life. You can walk in grace and mercy and kindness and truth and hope in any context that you find yourself in. Nobody can stop you from doing that. And we see that as an example from the early churches. They were in, in a system at times that really did not like them. Paul's imprisoned, he's beaten, and guess what? That didn't stop him from showing love. That didn't stop him from showing, you are always free to walk in the way of Jesus. There's a freedom that he's given you. So we've been called to have faith in his plan above all else. It's a new kind of freedom. It's a higher view of freedom. It's a different kind of freedom to have faith in his plan. Secondly, as we progress in this concept of freedom, we begin to recognize that we exist as the people who repair God's design. 
We are here to continue to repair God's design for creation, to repair his intent for creation. Well, what's his intent? We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. He creates everything and it's all good. It's all good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Good humans were created in his good image. And then he was dwelling with the humans and he gave them responsibility to care for his good creation. And then that goodness became corrupted. It became disrupted by sin. And then Jesus steps onto the pages of human history. And in his resurrection, Mary sees him as the new gardener, as the new Adam, as John records in his gospel. And he's restoring the good intent, the good design that God has for his creation. So as we follow Jesus, we are living in the new creation. We are a part of repairing God's good design to be a part of the new movement that God is doing here in the world. And we exist as the people who say, if we are truly free, we are going to repair God's good design and bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're here to do, to follow in the way of Jesus into the new creation. And Peter starts to get at this in verse 15, where he writes, for God wants you to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Some of your translations might say, doing that which is right or, or doing right. And I, I just prefer good as a translation there because right can become a little bit convoluted and we start to think, oh, we're, you know, we, we're, we're the ones who are right and we're supposed to tell everybody when they're wrong. And you know, we're, we're right and you're wrong. We're right, you're wrong, we're right. And that begins to be a heart of, of religiosity. That begins to be a heart of being a Pharisee. We're right and everyone else is wrong. The, the essence of Jesus is not just to be right, but it is to be good an essence of goodness that brings about the good, that combats evil, and we silence the ignorance of others. Because Peter, Paul, Jesus, they're all very clear that there will be those who don't always understand the way of Jesus. And from that, there could be foolish comments. There could be people who, who move against the movement of Jesus. And what do we do to, to silence that? He doesn't say, make a TikTok video where you tell people off and you tell them all why you're right and everybody else is wrong. He doesn't say, get in a social media argument. He doesn't say, shout people down. He doesn't say, name call. He doesn't say, oh, tell everyone why. He said, no, we silence that by working for the good, by repairing God's design, a new creation that was started by Jesus in the work of the resurrection, that anyone is in Christ is a new creation and the creation is groaning. It's calling for restoration, as Paul writes in Romans 8. And we are the people who begin to work towards the renewal of creation in the way of Jesus. We begin to repair the good. Can I, can I just nerd out for a moment and give you a bit of a modern picture for this? Would anybody be okay if I nerded out on a movie thing for a moment? Anybody okay with that? Okay, I see uh, people don't seem to care, so I'm just going to do it anyway. So I'm the one with the microphone, right? So uh, I've been watching this show on Disney Plus that maybe some of you have been watching, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it just ended this past week. Anybody watch that last episode? Anybody in here? Can I see some hands? So I'm not alone. Okay, I see one there. I see, yes, I see some. Okay, good, good, good. We got some people. For those of you who don't know about Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm sorry, because it's amazing. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a Jedi in the Star Wars universe. If you don't know what a Jedi is, I'm very sorry for you once again, because they are quite amazing. They have these lightsabers. They can use the force where they throw people and they, and they, they meditate. And then there's good Jedi and then there's bad ones. They're called Sith and they're on the dark side. 
And as I've been watching this character, Obi-Wan Kenobi, in this show, and then I consider Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels, episodes one, two, and three, which I know some people don't like, and they're a little bit strange in some ways, but I, I overall, I enjoy them. So I like the prequels, and you watch the progression of this character, and then you watch him in the show, and then you watch him in episode four. And for those of you who have not watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, I bet you've seen episode four that came out in 1977, you know, the bit when Alec Guinness played Obi-Wan. Anyways, Harrison Ford's in it, so you should watch it, because he's the man. But so, Obi-Wan Kenobi, don't worry, there's a point to this. As I'm following this character, I'm saying to myself, I don't think I've ever seen a character in, in movies or in books or in television that has unintentionally represented what it means to work for the good of others the way in which he does. That word in verse 15, in chapter two, verse 15, actually, the word good actually means to work for the benefit of others. That's what it means to work for the good, to work for the benefit or the good of others. And so as you follow Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's this Jedi, he's master, you know, he ends up becoming a Jedi master, but he begins to invest in and help out this young man early on in the prequels. His name is Anakin Skywalker. And and no other people in the Jedi Council, they don't want him to work with Anakin. And, and then as in the words of Weird Al Yankovic, Vic, he said, hey, Yoda, stick it in your pointy ear. I still will teach this boy. But anyway, so he teaches Anakin and, and he continues to work with Anakin, even as Anakin continues to, to have some tendencies that don't look so good. And he's kind of a creep and he's kind of strange in many ways, but he continues to believe the best and continues to invest because that's what we do when we perpetuate the good. You believe the best. Love hopes all things. Love believes all things. First Corinthians 13. And he continues to invest in this young man, even when nobody else will, even when some people are hesitant for him to do so. And then as he continues to invest, Anakin gets to this point where he's been completely in Revenge of the Sith, episode three. I know I'm really nerding out sometimes, but we're, we're, gonna, we're going somewhere with this. Just trust me. He gets to this place where Anakin becomes completely corrupted by evil. And it's so bad that he's going to harm his own wife or his own wife, Padme. And so Obi-Wan decides to step in the middle of this. And he basically looks evil in the face and he can't, he's having a hard time reconciling this because he's invested in this, in this young man for so many years of his life. And he's trying to reconcile that he's become evil, but he's also saying, I have to protect her. And what's so beautiful about this moment is he's willing to step in and basically step in between and say, I will not allow evil or pain or harm to harm her. And this is one of those scenarios where I know it's science fiction, I know it's distant, but it's so very real because I've seen so often, we humans have a tendency to say to ourselves, oh, I know something really evil is happening here. I know something bad is happening here, but you know what? It's none of my business, so I'm not gonna get involved. It's none of, you know, let Anakin and Padme figure out their own thing. I know he's evil, I know he could really hurt her, but I'm not gonna get involved. And just the picture of his willingness to step in and to step in between and say, I, he still communicates that he loves Anakin, but this idea of, I will not allow you to harm her. I will not allow you to harm the, the children that she's carrying, because they find out she ends up having these twins, Luke and Leia. It's a beautiful story. But he's like, I will not allow you to harm her. And he steps in between. He steps up for another person. And he says, I will not, I will not let this happen. And he places himself in a spot of being uncomfortable, in a, in a spot of being vulnerable. And, a, and I won't let you do this. 
And this is, this is such a beautiful picture of, of even what Christ did for us when Satan came to accuse us. He stepped in the middle and said, no more, you will not harm them. They are my creation. They are my children. But it's also an application of what we are to do as Christ followers of saying, we are here to work for and repair and fight for the good of others. We are not the people who look at a mess, who look at evil, who look at corruption and say, oh, I'm just not gonna get involved. No, we are the people who step in and say, it may not be my business. I might be sticking myself in here. In It's kind of awkward. It's kind of uncomfortable. It makes me uneasy. I don't know what this is gonna result in, but we will not allow evil to move forward. And so we step in for the sake of others to fight for the good of others. It's such a beautiful picture. And then as he continues to grow as his character, and I won't say too much about the show, even though there's even more in the show and I could keep going on about it. But then when we get to episode four, he gets, Obi-Wan Kenobi gets to this spot where he looks at Darth Vader and he said, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And he sacrifices his life for the good of others. He sacrifices his life so a greater plan can move forward. I, I can't think of a better picture and I can't think of a better reason to tell you to watch Star Wars episodes one, two, and three and Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode four other than there's just such a beautiful picture of what it means to exist for the benefit and for the good of others. To say, you know what? I'm going to believe the best in someone even when it's difficult and I'm gonna continue to invest in them. You know what? When, it, when I have to and evil seems to be poking its head up, I am going to step in even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's awkward, even though it's intimidating and even if we have to, we will lay down our comfort. We will lay down our preference. We will lay down our life for the sake of others because we exist to repair God's good creation. And just as Christ laid down his life for us, we exist to lay down our life for the sake of others. This is who we are to be, church. This is what it means to bring about new creation and to repair God's design. See, you can get a lot out of Star Wars if you would just watch it. So the, the third progression in freedom is to exist as a servant exist as a servant. And this is going to bring us back to verse 16 here in just a moment. But whether you realize it or not, or whether you want to wrap your mind around this or not, every single one of us is serving something or someone. There's something you're serving or chasing or pursuing or going after. And whatever it is that you're serving is actually framing what freedom is for you. So that's why Peter makes this statement that seems at, at first like an interesting statement. How, do the, how can these two things exist at once? He says this in verse 16, live as free people. This is where we started. Not using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but as God's slaves. Now, just for a moment here, because it seems like, okay, how can you be free, but also a slave or a servant, as some translations would say? We're going to reconcile that in just a moment, but first a word on this, on this concept of, of being God's slaves. Now, when we hear that word, we, we get triggered to think of the, the modern day slavery that we know of that, that uh, existed in the United States of America that was act of hate and abuse and racism. And Peter would have had a different framework for that word. And that's why I think it's better sometimes the translations maybe say bond servant or servant just because of the context that we know of things. So, so Peter's framework for this, in, in his world, the, this idea of being a bondservant or a slave, it, it still wasn't completely justifiable, but it was something 
it was something a little bit different. It wasn't necessarily driven and specific towards one particular race. It was something that sometimes people would sign up for because slaves or bond servants would be paid. They were offered houses. They were offered, uh, they were offered uh, uh, food. And so it was in some ways a little bit more of a vocation. It was, it was just a little bit different. Um, once again, not, not trying to justify it, but just giving a context for Peter's view and where Peter was coming from with this when he was using this. And so it, it helps us though, because Peter's saying that we can live as free people, but don't use that as a pretext for evil, but exist as God's servants. Peter's thinking of this concept that you are you can give your life to serve God. You can surrender your rights in service to him, or you can serve someone or something else. And whatever it is that you choose to serve will begin to frame the freedom that you have. Let me give you an example of that. Let's say, for example, you are living for the approval of people. You're just wondering all the time, what do people think of me? What did people think when I said this? What did people think when I wore that? What did people think of this? What did people think of that? If you're constantly driven by the approval of people, then you're really serving the approval of people. And that actually restricts your freedom because you were then saying, I am being, I am, I am living under the restriction of, I want to do things based off of people's approval of me. Or you could be serving, oh, you know, I just need a little bit more money. I just need a little bit more money. Just give me some more money. If I could just get some more money, then everything would be good. And you're really serving this, this concept of just get more money, just get more money. And that's, that's the restriction of freedom that you're choosing to live under. Because you're, you're just constantly chasing, if I could just have more money, then that's, that's what's going to give me freedom. But then we all know you get a little bit more. And you, okay, I, now I want more. Now, you know, now I want more. And that's, that's, the, that's the freedom you're choosing. That's what you're choosing to restrict yourself in. Or, or, or it could be, it could be a number of things. It could be the approval of others. It could be a promotion. If I could just get this promotion, then I'd be happy. And if I just had this title, then I'd be happy. And what you're really doing is you're title chasing. And if I could just get this title, then I'll be free. Then I'll be free. Then I'll be free. And, and you'll find that you just, you'll just want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's what you're serving. And that's the confines of freedom that you're choosing to live in. And so Peter's saying that if you were going to serve something, and experience the fullness of freedom that you were intended to have, that we are intended to experience, then become God's servants. Give your life and service to him. Yes, you have to surrender some things, but he will ultimately, within those things you surrender, within the restrictions that God gives us, it will actually lead us into the freedom that we were intended to live in. It will lead you into the reality that you were created to live in. I shared this quote about six months ago from John Mark Comer in his book, Live No Lies, on freedom, I thought it'd be appropriate to share it again this morning based off of where we're at. He said, uh, to be up on the screen, freedom, not just to choose, but to choose the good. For them, Jesus and Paul, freedom is not about autonomy from authority, but about liberating, loving relationships from sin. And positive freedom means we need a kind of power from outside ourselves to overcome our strong desires for self-gratification and fulfill our deep desires for self-giving love. That first sentence is so powerful. Freedom not just to choose, but to choose the good. Would we exist as servants of God above all else and we see that we have faith in his plan and our freedom comes from him 
We have freedom, not necessarily just to do whatever we want because we are submitting to the authority of Jesus, but we have been given freedom to become and be restored in his good creation and then perpetuate and bring the good. We are not just, we're not just free to do what we want. We are free to be his good creation, to be his children, to bring his love and life and hope to wherever we find ourselves. To exist as his servant unlocks a new kind of freedom for us, and it's a freedom to choose the good. And lastly, in the progression of freedom, Oh, wait, I do have one more scripture to share with you here. Got a little ahead of myself there. This is where Jesus is getting at when he said, so if the son sets you free, you will be really free. If the son sets you free, you will be really free. True freedom that is found in Christ is freedom to reflect Christ in whatever context you find yourself in. True freedom in Christ is the freedom to reflect the goodness and the nature of Christ in whatever context you find yourself in. And then lastly, in the progression of freedom, it's to see and find that every person has value. Every person has value. In God's kingdom, in God's economy, whatever metaphor you want to use there, every person has value. Not just the ones who think like you and act like you and, and you know, do everything the way you do. Every person has value. And we all have to move past our confirmation biases. We have to move past what just makes us comfortable and discover that every person has value. And that's how Peter wraps this up when he, after he talks about freedom in verse 17. He said, honor all people. Honor which people? All people. <laughs> which ones? All of them. Honor all people. Not just the ones who think and look and act. Honor all people. Love the family of believers. To love all of those within the church. Not just, not, ones, not just the ones, no, I'm in a group. With no, no, love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Maybe for us we could say honor the president or honor the governor. Or honor the, the, oh, the one I voted for, yes, and the one you didn't vote for. Honor the king. Honor those who God has placed above us. Show kindness and love. May our, may us working for goodness be what changes others. May us reflecting the nature of Christ be what impacts our communities. To honor and love all people, to see that every person has value. Every person has been created in the image of God and every person Christ said, hey, you know what? I'm giving my life for them so they can have life. And just as we love them, we are actually loving him in return when we love his creation, when we love those around us. Honor all people. Coming back to our question, what identity will maximize your freedom? Sometimes what I think we have a tendency to do is we will build our identity and then we will try to let Christ speak into that. Christ speak into, you know, Christ, you know, I want a little bit of what you have here, Jesus, and a little bit of what you have here, Jesus, and a little bit of what you have here, Jesus. And we build our identity, then try to get Christ to speak into that. But if we go back to where we were two weeks ago in First Peter chapter 2, where Peter talks about Christ being our cornerstone, maybe what we should be doing is instead of building our identity, then letting Christ speak into it, what we should be doing is building on Christ and then letting him shape our identity. Let him be the one who shapes that. Let him be the one who speaks into who we are because it is as his servants that we will discover true freedom and who it is that we are called and created and designed to be. So do you want to experience freedom? You want to have true freedom? Then Peter would say this, have faith 
in God's plan. You'll see it up here on the screen, which is a summary. He will say, have faith in God's plan. No matter who's in charge, no matter what's happening around you, guess what? He knows. And we've been called to honor people, honor those in charge, honor them. And he knows, and he's working. Have faith in God's plan. We repair God's design that wherever you are, you know the one who is good so you can bring about his good nature, the good life that he's called us to. Exist as a servant. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. We are here to serve him and to serve others because that reflects who he is and that makes us more and more like him. And then see that every person has value. Some of us, we found ourselves living in bondage and not living as truly free because we only want to see the people with value that we want to see with value. But when we see that every person has value and we pray, God, renew my heart and mind. Holy Spirit, renew my heart and mind so that I can see all people. As you see them, what it does is it opens up our perspective to be truly free and begin to love others as he has loved us. To exist is truly free. Have faith in God's plan. Repair God's design. Exist as a servant and see that every person has value. And this all starts with us following and knowing Jesus. I'm going to invite you all to stand with us here in this time. We're going to sing one last song together.